grace and peace to you from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings of the Holy Spirit on you sisters and brothers this Pentecost day. Friends, I'm Grace Southern. I am a fellow pastor along with Kevin and I have the joy and the honor at this season in my ministry to be what United Methodists call a district superintendent. That means I get to be a part on occasion of the life of Macedonia Church. If you're curious and don't know United Methodist terminology, to be a superintendent or DS as we're sometimes called, simply means that I'm a pastor who for a season does the work of helping churches identify missions and goals to achieve them, to live together in the Wesleyan spirit, to cultivate leaders such as yourselves, the lay people of the church, to cultivate such gifted people as we've heard today in worship leadership, and to, cult to cultivate us all to reach out to the world beyond ourselves that does not know the gospel. In the current pandemic, it'd be easy to forget the fact that the church, even in our season and time, reaches out continually. Last year, meaning 2019, some 1950 plus a few more adults in the area I serve confess their faith in Christ Jesus for the first time. That's not because of me, it's because of you, the people of Macedonia and churches like yourselves. God bless you as you grow the kingdom of God. I'm particularly appreciative of Kevin inviting me to be here to preach this morning. A piece of that is to celebrate what it is to hear God speak to us this Pentecost day that was for our Hebrew sisters and brothers, as Michelle remembered, a celebration of harvest and thanksgiving is for us a great thanksgiving for the harvest that God spills upon us when the Spirit comes in us and we know we can relate to God. That answers the age-old question of how can I know there's a God and how is God going to speak to me? The Bible is full of stories of the Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. One of those stories is terribly familiar to many of us. It comes from the second chapter of the book of the Acts. It's the story of how the Holy Spirit came out upon the disciples of Jesus gathered together. It's the story we heard earlier and let you to hear it read now. When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much to drink. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, 
let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I have a story I want to tell you about how two dear people came to hear the voice of God. They're both friends of my wife's and mine. For the sake of the morning, I'm going to use the assumed names of Jason and Marcy. I've known Jason since I was in college. Jason was a hellion. Make no mistake. Um, in the course of a weekend, he'd have seven or eight different dates with seven or eight different girls. He drank everything that came in his path. He ingested every substance he could find. He smoked stuff, injected stuff. He was a hellion. The amazing thing is that he made great grades. And the amazing thing is that, of course, he was incredibly popular. He was hardly a loser, as some people wanted to describe him. He was one of those big guys around campus. He and I lived near each other and then in the same house for a while, which is how we became buddies. Late in our college career, he met a girl named Marcy through another man who lived near us, who was a mutual friend who had no intention of introducing his little sister to this character. But they met, and uh, because he dated seven or eight girls a weekend, or at least tried to, Jason had to ask somebody else out, so he asked Marcy out, and she went with him, which sort of amazed us all, made her brother angry, and he said to her, are you out of your mind? But she had her own mind. And so they actually began to date. And fascinatingly enough, the seven or eight girls became a girl or two, and then by the time our graduation weekend rolled round, it was just the two of them. For every piece of Jason that was a hellion, Marcy was everything that you could possibly hope for in a young woman. Composed and gracious, kind and considerate, she had been reared in the church, and she had known all her life, evidently, who she was and who she wanted to be and how she wanted to live her life. The obvious happened. They eventually married, and then before marriage and after it came the issue of church and should they go to church. Jason was a nominal Christian. That is, um, he had attended church every other Christmas and occasionally on Easter, um, but he could not have found the men's room in his home church if his life had depended upon it, which is a sort of interesting measure of who is and isn't church active. Marcy, on the other hand, had been recruited as a high school student to teach Sunday school. And though she, it would have embarrassed her then, and it still does today, um, she was held up to young teens as what we hope you become someday. She was that sort of outstanding young person. So because Marcy said they should go to church, they went to church. And uh, years later, 
uh, we drifted apart then came back together, I became their pastor in one of God's ironic twists of fate. Jason was still looking for God. And then one evening, after a profound conversation with Marcy about how you could know there was a God and that there was a God, out on a pier at their parents, his parents' beach house, while drinking yet more stuff that was talked about in the book of the Acts, Jason met God face to face, an illiteral Pentecostal moment that changed his life, that left his pastor and college friend feeling a bit inadequate. Why would God choose to do it on the end of a fishing pier uh, rather than in a nice sanctuary with me preaching? But God is God. And then that led to the first and, so far as I know, maybe major spiritual tension in the life of Marcy and Jason. The truth is, Jason had been jealous for quite some time about Marcy's quiet, steady, certain faith. And the fact that she had never doubted God, with occasional exceptions, I suspect, that she'd always had a sense of God and always trusted God, come what may. And after this Pentecostal experience, when in his agony that there was not a God, God had spoken to him and convicted him that he very much exists and is very interested in Jason, Marcy was sort of jealous that Jason had had that sort of experience. What she'd heard read in every Pentecost Sunday morning but never experienced herself, the sort of bolt of lightning out of the blue, why can't I have that? So they came to see their pastor and their friend, Jason jealous that he hadn't had what his wife had, but grateful he had the experience he had. Marcy grateful she was who she was, but jealous that Jason had had it, and she, such a good church-going person, had never received it. They were remembering the story of the Pentecost, but forgetting that there are other stories of Pentecost. Before the day of Pentecost happened, uh, about 49 days before it, there was another Pentecostal experience. Some of those disciples we saw Michelle illustrate for us with the children's message had walked to their hometown of Emmaus. And as we're told in the book of Luke, while they were walking there, unbeknownst to them, a companion came to walk beside him. It was Jesus. And Jesus began talking to them and said, so what's up? And they were astonished and they said, are you the only person who doesn't know what's gone down back in Jerusalem? And they told this passerby, they thought, all about Jesus. And then Jesus, unbeknownst to them by identity, asked a whole series of questions, and they told him about what they thought was the resurrection and dismissed it as a tale of foolish people. And then in the words of the evangelist Luke, Jesus, Jesus explained to the disciples what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. You may know the way the story unfolds. The two disciples going to Emmaus go on. Jesus is about to keep going. They prevail on the stranger to come and sit at table with them. The three of them sit down to a meal. Jesus breaks the bread. In the breaking of the bread, they recognize the risen Christ. Jesus vanishes from their midst, and they say to one another, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Those disciples at the Emmaus banquet table had Marcy's experience. They met Jesus and the scriptures being read and unfolded time and again. 
Jason and Peter and the people in the upper room on Pentecost had a obvious Pentecostal experience when they were slammed in the face, so to speak, with Jesus. Which one is best? Jason wants Marcy's, Marcy wants Jason's, but it is the same God and the same Spirit. Some of us are Jason on the end of the pier, shaking our fists in the middle of a pandemic and screaming, my God, my God, where are you? Others of us are Marcy's. Reared in the church, we've spent a lifetime hearing the good news, we know it to be true, we may have some questions and wonderings. And some of us are Jasons, who in the middle of a long pool on the bottle suddenly realized God was speaking to him when he least expected it and truthfully didn't really want it. But all of us are the people to whom God speaks. What does that mean for us? It does mean that we need to listen. Listen in our hearts. Because it is easy to ignore the voice of God much of the time. Even Jason on the end of the pier had to decide whether or not to listen to what he was hearing or ignore it. It means that the Holy Spirit calls us all, sometimes very faintly, so you have to listen harder, particularly if you are a Marcy. It may call us to do some hard work. Just now, today, tomorrow, to join with thousands of people of faith, millions of people of faith around our country to lament the predicament of our world. But then that same Holy Spirit calls us to hope, to hope in the power of the one risen from the dead, who when we hear his word read, when we hear his word taught, and on occasion when we least expect it, surprises us with the power of Almighty God. That is Jesus risen from the dead. So how is God going to speak to you, sisters and brothers? God is going to speak to you however God chooses. Some of us will remain Marcy's. Some of us will remain Jason's shaking our fist at the sky and maybe never listening. But even our longing for God is an affirmation to us that God speaks to us and is here with us. And some of us will be Jason's and Peter's who, convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, become a flame for God and will actually amaze the people standing by who will say, isn't that Jason? Holy cow. Because we are alive to the living God who calls us to know him and to trust him and to follow him. And in the world of chaos and fear, to be at peace. So that, sisters and brothers, is how God speaks to us. How God chooses. God asks us to listen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Speak, Lord, in your own way, for your people are listening. Amen.